0: Welcome to the Rhythm Dribble Basketball Development Podcast. The development podcast that walks you through the long journey of turning your love for basketball into next level success. Helping you to enhance your skills physically, mentally, and emotionally to become the best player you can be. Helping families make decisions along this long, arduous journey. Hearing valuable stories about family successes and failures during this exciting but uncertain time. Hi, we're your hosts, Daryl Adams and Rick Spence. In today's episode, Spence and I talk about whether or not young athletes should play multiple sports. Be sure to subscribe to the Rhythm Dribble Basketball Development Podcast. I want to remind you to check out Rhythm Dribble on social media. Like us, follow us, and leave a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Send me your questions at CoachD at RhythmDribble.com. And I'll get to them later in this show or on future broadcasts. Spence and I have been in this podcast thing for a minute now. After every episode, parents tend to, through normal interaction, offer an opinion about some of the things that we talk about in the podcast world. Uh, We thought it was a good idea to maybe bring you some of those perspectives and help to further clarify some of the issues or some of the points that were made and identified in the most recent podcast. So going forward, we'd like to take a few minutes out and if we heard something significant, we'd like to bring it back up, talk about it briefly and then move on to today's podcast. Last week, we talked about whether or not it was a good idea to join the larger AAU organizations. But in particular, we talked about Promises, yeah. Right? Promises. Yeah. We talked about promises by the AAU organizations, if and, there were. And I was, I was solid in this that as long as they don't promise anything, then they don't owe anything. Correct. And as it turned out, a parent was able to identify. In fact, a number of parents were able to yes, identify it that it was more than one. Yeah, that they are promising some things. So I said, okay, well. Actually, Spencer's idea to, um, you have to go back on. You have to tell some people that you, you were enlightened a bit. Um, and, and in The Promises, I sat down and had a big conversation. So, Spence, I'll let you go first, and then we'll kind of we'll work back and forth on it.
1: Yeah, so as you mentioned, right, we, we typically have feedback after each episode. Um, in this particular one, um, I, I got a text, um, and they mentioned that, Certainly, there were promises. So, so I dived in. I, I asked a number of questions, and um, the parent was particularly just frustrated with the organization. They were new to the AAU world, right? Um, maybe if this podcast had came out about twelve months ago, it would have maybe helped out in the decision making. But um, they were new to this, and they they took their shot at it, and there were a number of promises to get their player with the organization, and things at least up to this point weren't as they seem or weren't as they promised and again if you were if you recall from last week I didn't I didn't have that experience right I didn't know whether they promised or they did not but um, I ran to another parent at the gym as well and th- they mentioned that there were certainly promises and um,
0: and and, so, and did we did we dive in and find out were these parents was there a little resentment did you feel like as, as, as you spoke to it yeah well wouldn't you feel some resentment if I if I
1: promise some if I promise something to you and didn't deliver
0: yes that that's my point and again I don't I don't back off of it if yeah, they promise the, something they on the hook yeah
1: as long as you clear right I don't if there's no ambiguity that maybe you thought it was this but it was that right and um, from my conversation with the parent. He was pretty clear he had some pretty pointed questions before committing his his time and his money to the organization
0: my question to the person that brought it up to me was was it financial i wanted to dive in and maybe figure out what was the motivation of the organization was it financial so was there an annual fee or a monthly fee that they were after and they say i promise you something so that I could get something returned because I don't understand the the empty promise. I can jump into their shoes a little bit here. There's a talented kid. I need to get that child over to my team. So I have to tell these parents and I have to offer them some assurances in 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 an extreme sense. Those assurances are going to be the thing that helps the parent to join in. Right. So I asked the parent was it financial and when he Gave me the information back. I didn't sense it was financial, right? You and I talked about these organizations typically have sponsorship, right? And there is money in their coffers, and there's only a limited number of places or slots on their team, so they can't be promising a bunch of people just so that they can collect money. Could it be when I had my initial interaction as a coach
1: that I believed I can deliver these things, but? Maybe when I got there, right, the child wasn't what I
0: expected. So then I have to, then I reacted off that. I think so. That's not devil's advocate. Okay. I think that you've jumped into the same shoes I jumped into the organization's shoes. Right. Right. Yes, they see something. They maybe make a promise about what they saw. That, yes, that fits. All right. This piece fits into our system. Your player can have some success here right but then you get inside the organization get into that game and you just start to see game after game after game it's a sliding scale that somehow maybe the child didn't live up to the bill
1: so then as a parent what's my reaction to that right because maybe i don't get because from my from having my conversation with the parent that there wasn't clear-cut distinction on what needed to happen or why the promises weren't being fulfilled what is my What does my player now lack or what does he need to do to get what you kinda promised me? And that's where some ambiguity kind of came up for that parent. So as a parent, how do I react to that? What 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 should I do in your opinion?
0: I don't know. You 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 moved you moved off the, the bigger point too fast for me. Okay. Because I spoke with the same parent. All right. And I thought you were going here where it may have been a misunderstanding. Certainly. Right? Misunderstanding first of all on how high level the player is actually when they get into the fire because you said that they brought him in mm-hmm. and they thought they had a high-level kid. And and I remember the parent even saying he didn't think that his child was ready for that level of bump. Certainly. So it gets in there, and then game after game after game, coaches know what they're looking at. So maybe the misunderstanding is that I thought I saw something that was ready, right? Right. And it turns out that it's not. So when I spoke with the parent, the parent kind of understood me here that his instincts were right, right? His my,
1: initial instincts. Yeah,
0: my child is not ready. So all of these, so all of this expectations that you're listing for me and my guy, I don't know if we can fulfill it. And the question may have been, do I have margin for error?
1: Right, so maybe he should have just went with his gut initially. No?
0: Yes, but then that's a machine. It's tough. I understand why a parent is yeah. lured to that, yeah, to that machine. Yeah, because the exposure,
1: I, I, need, I want the exposure. And right. I want to play so, on the-
0: so he gets in it, he gets in it, and then the coach starts to see some things that he's concerned about. Certainly. And he said it very clearly. I can list a couple of them. He said that he wondered about he said, "Excuse me. He said this child will be a permanent cog for us once I can see the toughness, once I see the decision making, once I see his passing ability and there was one other one I forgot." But once I see those things Did you develop. toughness? Yes, yeah, said toughness, okay. decision making, passing, but there was one more I remember. But he said once those things develop, then he then yes, he'll be a cog here, permanent cog. Mhm but I'm telling you from my experience that you can't play at the highest level without those three things, so right? So you should
1: have obtained them
0: prior to. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, maybe the coach was saying, I think he has enough right. of those things to get by. And then you get into the game or you get into multitude of games and you start to see, ah, it doesn't quite have it, right? So maybe there's a conversation there because the, the, the parent attempted to initiate a conversation like that Correct. where the coach Coach, really, I want you to tell me because what you say is going to determine my next actions. And I thought the coach might have fallen short for him in, in terms of being brutally honest. But then I can still jump in the organization's shoes, the coach's shoes. Nah, you, at that point, you got to be honest. But you don't want to tell a parent that their son doesn't have it. It's not what it's you, say, it's it's you say, it's how you say it. You just have it's to tough, communicate so it correctly. Tough. I don't think, first of all, a parent wants to hear it. Um, Second of all, I think that we as coaches, we'd like to believe we can pull it out of them. So hey, I need one more week. I need one more week. I need one more week to try to pull it out of them. That's what it feels like to me yeah. rather than giving up on a child.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I would consider giving up, but at least give him the opportunity to make an informed decision. So give him all the data and then as a parent, I can choose whether I wanna stay and fight this fight, or if I need to go and acquire those skills that you're requiring so my so my, my player can get on the court. Um, I would feel, at least me personally, just give it to me honest and then I can make
0: an informed decision. So now, there can
1: be no resentment if I do stick around.
0: But I thought he might've been giving it to him honestly. I thought maybe the parent didn't wanna accept it. Oh. You, you know the evidence? That the son didn't play. <laughs>
1: that's it, right? that's yeah.
0: enough, You said you said enough? How many games need to go past before I recognize that, Coach, I know what your feelings are here. Certainly. Right? You've told me all I need to know. All right. So
1: before we, because, um, again, we don't want to stay here too long. But So the, the other question I think I would have coming out of last week would be then, when is the right time to maybe say I need to walk away from this larger organization and, and come back at a, at a different time, if at all?
0: There's a couple of indicators, and I think this was a perfect segue, our last one, where we said if the guy is not playing, right, then I need to make a decision about whether or not the child should continue to play. Okay. But there's some indications that I heard from this parent that really would have put some fire under my butt um, in terms of getting the child out of there. Okay. The one thing I heard, and, and I didn't know this, and excuse my, ni- my naivety, there are open practices. Oh, yes, he did mention, yeah. Right? This means that every Tuesday and Thursday that I jump in my car and drive 40 miles to practice, there's a chance that there's another kid that came from another team, that came from another state, that may be joining the team.
1: and Well, maybe not even joining. He's just coming to bump up against you in practice and... I, can, I want to see what he looks like. It's consistent evaluations. I think we
0: said the same thing. Yeah. Because if if he's really good in the practice,
1: he'll join the team.
0: He'll join the team. If he plays my position and he's really good in the practice, then he's not only going to join the team, he's going to replace my minutes.
1: And so remember, we spoke about this last time. That's that's one of the things with the the big. They'll can. They'll recruit over you throughout the year I believe they recruit over you
0: throughout the year I just don't know another place where there's this open practices thing man I don't it's not at our highest level of basketball it's not in the NBA right where we're on the contract a bit where there's some level of job security where I'm good for this time provided I well you got 10-day contracts in the NBA that's 10 days I know that I'm limited I know if I play well then I stay I I understand the 10-day 10-day happens when somebody's hurt Right, when a slot opens up, I understand those risks. The problem is in youth basketball, right? I thought that my son made the team and now <laughs> I get to grow over the course of the season. Certainly. Right, and it's just kind of tough for me to know that these open practices exist. I'm okay with it because I'm an advocate of working so that you're creating value day after day after day, week after week after week. So while I support that, I'm, I get a little bit concerned that that's how serious this youth basketball is. So it was just eye opening to me, Certainly. right? And trust me, I can ad- I can adapt to that because I believe that all of the other days I would be in the gym developing. But that's rough pressure for families, especially this parent that we talked about after the last podcast, who who's struggling as to whether or not they should come or go. Right? Right? That's tough to watch somebody come in the gym and uh, and compete. So you
1: mentioned not playing. You mentioned. The competing, did you have any others?
0: Well, I talked about, as you said, the competing is the open practices. Because that's that's what I really walked away with. right? My decision to leave the organization is always going to be squarely, do I need more of my time back in order to go and develop? Because the one thing, the commitment level is so high when I play at these high-level AAU clubs, that what happens is, I lose my development time, my certainly. intense development time. Um, and as we'll talk about today a little bit, um, my other, the other time in my life that I have to have organized so I can do some other things Correct. as well. So if I need my time back and I'm not playing, then it certainly is the opportunity for me to get off. And I don't think if I'm not playing, I don't think that the coach is going to have a problem with this conversation. Hey, and I think it's best if we walk out of there. Hey, I need to have a meeting. We'll sit down. You talk about it's not going well, but don't worry about it. Look, I'm gonna go and do my part. Right, right. Next tryout, I'm gonna give it a and, shot. And
1: that's important because I know, and it's not just one. I can think of three offhand. I know three parents who have have made a transition, but it wasn't a smooth transition, right? I don't have to stay, but you can leave a certain way. And if you leave in a bad way, it's a small community. And now those parents really have a hard time finding a new team after leaving in a bad way four to five times, right? Like coaches, they have conversations. It's, like I said, it's a small community. So it's not bad that you leave as long as you the coach understands what it is and you communicate it properly.
0: And then if you're really good, you'll get another shot. Trust yes. me, you'll get another shot. So, again, the answer falls back to just make sure the youngster can play. Right. Right. Spend the time that it takes to develop the athlete. And again, you have fewer of these problems that we're talking about. So my advice to the parent on the way out was, look, man, if that coach can identify toughness, decision making, passing of the ball. Problem is when he says when the coach says when his passing develops, he's probably talking about pressure, full court press, guard to guard in the half court against hard man-to-man defense, right? Those are things that you can't play this game unless you have those things. So my advice to the dad was get your son right. right, right? Get your son right, and you won't have these issues. You won't have the issues where the coach doesn't know how to approach you in terms of telling you his honest thoughts of your child. Or you won't have the problem with you deciding whether or not you have to go to a bunch of different organizations and tryouts because you'll have a home, you have a home to grow. So I, it's hard for me to get away from the idea that spend your time, especially early, in developing a child.
1: I got it. So what do we got on the, um? what do we got on
0: the agenda today? We're talking about today, multiple sports for children, all right? And we have to kind of organize this thing to talk about what should parents do here, man? Should they, should they engage the multiple sport thing should they focus in early and 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 drive up one road for for a number of years just trying to make the the best decision for their child because that's where I think it this decision falls into it's it's is not a me me selfish decision this is parents saying I want to get my son the best opportunity at this thing all right to take full advantage of sports and competition Right. So as we dive through it today, I kind of begin asking the question. And, and again, you, you're the parent perspective here. Right. But do parents recognize that children stand to get better and its results? So stand to get better results by pooling all of the efforts into one sport.
1: So I believe that there's a small subset of parents who do recognize that. And those tend to be the parents that have the personal trainer and they they dedicate a significant amount of time um much to your happiness right that they're in the gym six to seven days a week uh for three to four hours a day or maybe multiple sessions those are the parents that do believe in that methodology but uh, again you still have guys on the on the other side i don't um I know typically we'll have uh, conversations where I'm on one end, one end of the pendulum, pretty extreme. For this one, this isn't the case, right? I don't, I'm not strongly for multi-sport. I'm not strongly against it either. I think there's there's benefits to both. Um, and so from, from my perspective, I just have a bunch of data to kind of provide. I don't, I don't know if I have a, a strong, adamant perspective that no it has to be done this way, like I've typically done in the
0: past. Could you see the benefit of picking one sport for a seven-year-old or an otherwise young child? Let's start there.
1: Yeah, I can I can definitely see the benefits. Um, so I spoke about one early on, right? I get to... If I choose a sport early, I think I have a higher probability of joining one of the elite travel teams. Um, and th- typically... And it doesn't always happen, but by joining one of those elite travel teams, I get better coaching as well, right? So, um, that's probably the the immediate one. Um, if I'm if I'm doing something year round versus doing something for three months, whether it's penmanship, whether it's um, knitting, what, what, whatever it is, if you do something enough you're going to get better at it. The more you do it, you're going to get better at it. I don't think anyone disputes that. So if I can do something often enough where it's second nature and and I'm not even thinking about it, it's just a natural reaction, that's what the sports kind of require. That's when you're playing at your highest level. when I don't have to really think it. It's just natural instinct, and you get that with repetition. Got it. Where does this debate even come from? Well, well because I think that... Once the money kind of, if, if I'm being honest, once the money rolled in in terms of scholarships and at the at the pro level, like the the league minimums for for salary, the NBA salary is astronomical. Um, um, as you as you recently kind of test as Jay kind of went through first second year, then you kind of kind of start to plateau I and mean, go up from there. Um, once once the the monetary started going up i think the desire to actually do training and specialize at a younger age kind of kind of also increased right and when i was growing up there wasn't guys like you out there there were, we played sports throughout the season as 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 it rolls around you go from football then you go to to basketball you go to baseball you go to track it's just you kind of go with the seasons and and then also historically it wasn't all year. Now I can play lacrosse if I so choose, I can play lacrosse year round, right? And so that kind of changed it in my eyes.
0: Yeah, I agree, he said a lot. Let me see if I can go back and make sure that, that I'm on the same page. Okay. Seemed like when we were young, it didn't seem like to me there was so many travel team opportunities.
1: Certainly. I'm from a smaller probably city than you are, right? You're from you're from New York. I didn't have I'm not sure if even today and where I'm actually when I grew up, they have them, but as a whole, I never heard of AAU until I don't know, my 20s maybe. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I definitely agree there. Because now you're traveling. So now there's a large demand on people's time, right? So maybe that affects the multiple sports naturally, right? That I don't have the time to play a number of sports because this one sport has me all over the country, right? Has me in a bunch of practice, has me in a bunch of training facilities. It seems like, and you may have mentioned it, that the demand for skill just became very serious because it seems like the sport has evolved and become very serious as yeah, well. It's,
1: it's and it's highly competitive at those. In order for me to do that, and have that enjoyment of traveling and going around i've got to be i've got to perform to a certain level yeah and in order for me to do that i probably got to spend a little bit more time working on my craft yeah. to get
0: on those yeah. get on those teams the next thing you said though was that high school sports and a potential for college scholarship i kind of heard both of those things yes has that changed whereas well, high school sports in this area seems especially basketball seems to carry its own popularity
1: well in again in this area it's it's not rare to get a high school scholarship um, when I again when I grew up there of course there were private schools however mostly everyone we just went to the public school right but now in this the better brand of basketball if we're talking about basketball in particular um, and I want to say the better brand but there's a highly competitive brand of basketball being played in the private school sector and I can get a scholarship to actually go there so I can get high-level athletics as well as high-level education
0: in this area. The stakes have have gone up. And and, uh, the math is legendary. This area in basketball is legendary. I'm from New York where, yes, the stakes are high, right? So I don't Mm -hmm. see where the high school has changed a whole bunch, even in your description, but certainly families' reliance on sports in order to get college paid for. I hear that a lot now. Mm-hmm. Right? That look, I'm after this scholarship so so I'm willing to do whatever I need to do up front in order to in order to make sure I get it. And being mm-hmm. in the training business, you hear it a lot. The parents are coming in and they they're, they're very clear about it. I need I need a college scholarship.
1: <laughs> right? So so I pay I, the money now so I don't have to pay it
0: later. There you go. Well, that's my point, but it seems like It's a disproportionate understanding, right? How much they're going to pay for college and how much they're willing to pay for training on the front end don't really add up either. But I do see that scholarship is prevalent among the reasons why this thing has become pretty, pretty popular. Okay. The natural. Um, Does that still exist? This child that just picks up the sport and... He's a natural at it, or she's a natural at it, and they take it all the way to its highest level.
1: So, I don't know about, I don't know about that. I think we still have naturals, but to get it to the highest level, I think you still got to work extremely hard um, and and hone that craft. We speak about it, we spoke about it a, a number of times, right? The kid who's good at eight may not be the same kid who's good at seventeen. So naturally, he can do some things, but you got to start to hone those hone those skills and and build up on them so i believe they're
0: naturals but you still gotta work is there enough time in a day to work at two sports simultaneously then parents now remember not spence just a parent (laughs) what are they thinking i got 24 Um, hours in a day so so
1: i believe so let me say yes and why do i say yes it's because some of the things are some of the sports are synonymous right so if, if we when we delve into why I should do multisports, right, playing one sport could help me for the other. and we're not there yet, but the, I've heard that um, so the, the boys played lacrosse as well as football. And some of the um, was, well, he was a running back. And so some of the, the footwork as a running back, the cutting, the moving is synonymous to playing lacrosse as I'm, as I'm moving throughout the field um, from a attack standpoint maybe not from like a MIDI or, or defense, but there's some there's some, some 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 similar movements there. If I'm a football player and my second sport is track, right? There's some there's some movements that are synonymous there. So I believe, yes, because if I just work on speed training, that can help me in both of my sports. If I'm a if I'm a track guy and I'm I also play wide receiver. I'm gonna see benefits on on, on both of my sports. Uh if I was maybe boxing and basketball, if I if I was a low post guy, boxing gets your footwork down. So I believe I can do multiple sports at one time as long as it's more about footwork and movement.
0: It's easy to agree that there's a percentage of parents who can strategically pick a second sport that supports or provides synergy with the first sport that they've chosen. Anthony, you did a good job of identifying some of those. I think football, but only if... You are very selective about it. It's easy to identify or align the benefit of the physicality in football with the physicality in basketball. So I'll put them in football just to get physical. The problem with football is that if you put a child in football that doesn't want to be there just to extract some skills from it, then this could be a disaster.
1: Yeah, so... Yeah, I wouldn't say that. And if you, again, I, I spoke about this in the past. That's probably the only sport that I wouldn't throw the boys in and make them do.
0: Now, my problem is it may be like when my son's experience—he was a fast guy—and there were three really skilled athletes on on his eight-year-old football team. And although we put him on football for that reason, all he did was catch pitches and went around the end, right, and, and just would outrun touched. everybody and didn't get touched. <laughs> So while it helped his confidence, it didn't do much for the physicality that we were looking to generate from football.
1: And and if I'm being honest, I've noticed that some of the younger, like the grassroots, when I say grassroots, I'm talking eighth grade and below. Some of those better players are football players because they're they're willing to have that contact. They're willing to fight through
0: things. Yeah. What, which sport do you think most closely aligns? I heard you list a couple. I listed a closely couple. Closely aligns with yeah. basketball? Yeah. What would be that secondary strategic placement? I don't know. Because um, you did say boxing was for bigs, but I don't think so. I think boxing. Well, no,
1: not for bigs. I think just footwork in general. Yeah, right? but it yeah. Gives you footwork. And
0: toughness in the pocket, reaction, right? That me against you, and there's nobody to help. Right, those are the kind of lessons that boxing brings. It's it's a it's a tireless kind of regimen, and then you notice that when a boxer comes in the gym to play ball, they're different. They're different. They're working at a different speed. They're usually fit, right? They're they're aggressive and a little bit cocky,
1: a little calmer under pressure.
0: Absolutely, those are the kind of things I think boxing maybe should get more credit than it actually does.
1: With your experience and um and all the. All the data. I know you. You do a ton of research um, that goes into your training aspect. So, which one would you say would be the best second sport?
0: I thought boxing. Yeah. Okay. I, I may have gave giving the answer away. I thought boxing just gets you in great shape. You develop an edge, and I think this sport is all about the edge, right? It's all about that that I'm better than you. I don't know why coach put you in front of me, but <laughs> right. But you have the problem. I don't. Right. right. So so the amount of time and in boxing doesn't require so much time, right? You're not going in to be a heavyweight contender. You're just going in to get some off brand skill training, skill development, where you where you're teaching the body to do things and do it fast and repetitiously. The same much of the same goal of, of of many instances in a basketball game. The more I answer or the more we talk about this, I just wonder question for you, representing the parents. Are parents savvy enough to make this secondary choice? Are we giving them too much credit?
1: Yeah, so I don't want to accuse the parent of not being savvy. What I can say is that more often than not, if a child is playing a second sport, it isn't strategically to enhance the first sport. It's most likely these are the two sports that he likes. He likes football and basketball, so we're going to play both, or he likes football and baseball, so we're going to play both. It's not that this is complementary to the other. Um, from my perspective, I've, I've never seen that. Um, again, I believe that just with, with this new age of parent is when we started looking at sports training and specialization and trying to get to the collegiate level and the pro level so deeply at a young age. So no way do I believe that they, pick, they choose a second sport for the
0: child based on complementary. So how did they choose the first sport then? Because hold on. Because I'm thinking I'm losing faith in you parents and you guys, <laughs> right? Because I'm thinking that we may not have aligned the sport with the characteristics of our child. We maybe just exposed them to what we did.
1: Yeah, if that's if that's your basis, then yes, you should lose faith because I don't believe it's that deep te- deep of a thought, right? It could be my friend plays it and I'm hanging out with him. I saw it on TV, or maybe I went out with with my dad and I had to. I sat in the stands while he was playing flag football, so now I have an affinity to football. It's um, all of the, all of the paraphernalia
0: around the house. Certainly, right? Yeah, Those it, are the kind of It's a
1: number things. of things, but it's in words what you were alluding to. I don't think it was strategic by the parent um, out the gate. That's not my belief at all, to to choose that first sport.
0: I think that's better to hear, right? Because I had the parents choosing the sport, said my guy is going to be big because we as parents are big and we're going to put him into a sport where big matters or my child is very aggressive. So I'm going to put him into a sport that requires children to be very aggressive. And then they find the second sport that says he's a little bit slower foot. So I'm going to get a second sport that develops his speed and then put these two sports together and then I'm going to have an athlete to be reckoned with in this particular sport.
1: So then as a trainer, how often have you come across that where someone's kind of went through that thought process and they end up at your doorstep to become better at the sport of basketball?
0: I think it happens more than we've identified in this conversation. Okay. That well, could be
1: the uninformed one, right? Yeah, so. At least
0: parents are, are trying it. They're willing to broach the conversation, right? That what else can I do? I've, I've heard that a lot, especially more recently. No,
1: but so, but we're talking about choosing the first sport, right? We're saying how did you arrive at the first sport, and you're saying that that there should be more thought process into that. I do think once I have a first sport, there is some some thought that goes into well maybe I should do this because yeah, it's gonna help me there. Help, yeah. But as we as as we back up to what you said that maybe there should be a thought process in choosing the first sport initially.
0: Absolutely yes, and I see that issue uh, in in the gym a bit where now the child is gonna need that secondary sport in order to make in order to become successful in basketball. Okay. So we're gonna need it. As a trainer, we sit back and watch a lot of people who come in and we're starting from a very raw place and all we have to rely on are the characteristics or the profile of the young athlete. And in many instances, some of those athletes would be better somewhere else in in a different sport. Now that doesn't mean that we can't put them into the training process and begin to metamorphosize them into the basketball player.
1: Okay, so then we jump right into this that I kind of neglected to ask you. What are your thoughts? Do you believe that a child should play multiple sports, or should there be a, a single sport that they focus on?
0: As a trainer, I can really wear two hats here. As, as a dad. And you, know, as, you only get one. And as a trainer. Early on in life, I would love for the kids to engage in multiple sports. I think there's many, many, many advantages.
1: So then, what? When does it stop? Then, when you say early, what?
0: I'm not sure. Okay. Um, I think different children create different circumstances. So if there's going to be a time in a child's life that they should be exposed to multiple things, it should be early, right? And there's a number of reasons why. I know. I think those are the more obvious ones right, that, that it's more information into the mind, more movement into the body, right, more interactions. I think those are all the things that I can certainly, certainly make sense out of. Now, we talked about this early in our podcast lives. There's two paths to this thing. One, where you are taking a recreational approach and you're seeking many of the benefits that sports brings children. I think that's a great path. Fun is the word that I think about as you start to migrate down that particular path. And I get it, right? I'm not a trier of fact here, right? You get to make the decisions about your own child. But there's another road, and this road is far more serious. And the earlier you recognize that you ought to be on that road, that that's what you want for your child, then I think you're gonna make a decision to Choose a single sport a little bit sooner in in, in life. And so your,
1: your your thoughts are that once I become serious about a sport
0: is when it should be the single sport. Make no mistake. There's a lot to teach. And especially we as trainers, we have to think about it like this. That it's easier for us the earlier we get the child. That we can start hammering away at all that they have to know. Can I be serious about two sports? You can but the problem is focus, right? I don't want to act naive here that it's difficult to get the children of this generation to focus on anything, <laughs> right? But if if we're relying on good practice and good theory, then we'd probably ask them to focus on one thing rather than focus on a number of things, right? If, if we're trying to take advantage of, of who they are, right? So it's important to me as a trainer that, Right away, we get to work on teaching the, the, the fundamentals of basketball so that one day we can transition out and really begin to start getting into some of the, the high-level nuances. But I do think that the lack of focus is one of the real problems for children in in sports. And it's not an issue if you have a high-level athlete, if you have a big, fast, right? This is not the issue. It's not a conversation for them right? Because they can play the multiple sports. Imagine LeBron James playing football, basketball, Michael Jordan playing baseball, basketball, right? These are guys that can walk away for a second and turn around and come back and haven't lost a step in terms of physical dominance. But it's not the experience of the average child to be able to walk away from something and then walk back to it and then still have a place in it, right? We're just talking about average athleticism. We're talking about average, uh, uh, toughness and emotional discipline we're talking about an average athlete who's relying on their nuance who's relying on their creativity in order to be able to compete with these high level athletes that's my issue
1: and it's funny you mentioned that because there's a kid who i recall as as you know Jalen played at saint bonaventure in the a10 right so um do you remember the kid from vcu He, he was a big strong huge uh when playing the NFL. Mo Alley-Cox, yes. Mm-hmm. So he played four years of Division One basketball, um, hadn't played football since his freshman year in high school, and then ended up in the NFL as a tight end directly after graduating out of VCU. So that just kind of speaks to, I guess, the high-level athlete that you were speaking about. Yeah. But I guess in this sense, we're not really discussing – those guys because they're outliers
0: yes push those over these are big exceptional athletes that's not what my children were and that's not what your children are and quite frankly many of the parents that are listening that's not who their children are right so we have to operate on a different set of rules right that doesn't allow for them to lack focus doesn't allow for them to lack discipline in their regimen if achieving their dreams in sports and in basketball is important then let's not Allow for the lack of focus to get in the way. This second sport will require the development of different skills, which takes time and potentially jeopardizes the entire endeavor at and a it, high level.
1: Yeah, and, and as you say that, I, I think about the the outliers, which I spoke about in the um, in the reclass um, episode. But it, it has a that's where I first read about the the ten thousand rule, ten thousand hour rule, meaning for someone to be an expert in a field, it's believed that they need to spend 10 years and 10,000 hours actually spe- with focused, specific training in that field to kind of become great at it. And I guess what you're kind of saying is the sooner we can start chopping at that tree of 10,000 hours and 10 years, the better. And if I'm, if I'm focusing my attention elsewhere, of course, it's going to take me longer to get to, to that plateau.
0: I just think there's so many things you have to learn about basketball that the 10,000 hours may not be 10,000 hours. It may be 3 million hours. Right. Right. Because if we're talking about 10,000 hours on a jump shot, then I'm sure that that book identifies that that's a different 10,000 hours, or hopefully it identifies that that's a different 10,000 hours than you working on ball handling yeah, it's, and it's, a different 10,000 hours than you working on rebounding. Well,
1: It's deliberate practice, right? So it's focus and it's, focus on one particular thing.
0: That's what I mean. So there's many 10,000 hour things in, that's in basketball. I mean. Does the book say that many 10,000 hours? Yes, because it's not 10,000 hours that Well, so it's not about
1: it's not particularly about sports. It's just talking about an expert in a field. In, in a field whether I could be a priest, I could be I don't know, um a physician as we spoke about earlier, right? Really the point is just that it takes focus and a lot of time to come to become really, really good at something. And so, when when I when I spread that focus, it just makes it harder to achieve the goal that I've set for myself. Yeah. So I was reading an article from the um, American Orthopedic Society of Sports Medicine, and they indicated that when we've been speaking about classification, I mean, um, specialization within a sport, right? And, and they noted that there's an 85% higher incidence rate of lower extremity injuries for kids who tend to focus on one particular sport at an early age. And so does that ever kind of impact or cross your mind in terms of pushing the, not the agenda, but I guess with your position that specialization helps a kid get to where they need to get to within the sport and have a high level of success. And just so I can give you more context, the what they're really indicating is that by playing one sport or working on one sport year round, which a lot of our children tend to do, they're utilizing the same muscle groups and movements over and over, and it's just creating a higher risk of overuse injury, which is the, the injuries that you see. And it's lower extremity because typically they're running around
0: jumping and doing things that at, um, just over and over? I've read many of the same articles um, and I'm no doctor, so I don't want to act like I am. Um, if the doctors say that using the same muscles and the joints over and over at a young age has a negative impact or has some level of breakdown, then who am I to to refute them? But I just don't want to be naive here. And I wonder if doctors are being a bit naive here or a bit self-serving because I know that publishing um, articles is a is a big thing for doctors. Um, and I know that being the first to say something is big for doctors and, and having your name attached to a study is big for doctors. I just wish that My article, and and I spoke to you about your article, I'm looking for the solution to a very real problem. It's the solution that we're after because these are lifelong dreams for players and families. They've prepared a long time to be able to access the profession, man, for real reasons. And they're willing to kind of go through some things and some adversity for it. As authors of these type of articles, and it seems like there's a number of them because Spence in his preparation came up with one. I, in my preparation, came across a couple. I printed one of them out. I'm I'm looking at it now. Um, I thought that they owed the readers some solutions. Some, if you are going to do it, then here are some things that can help you through. Some recovery some how to prevent it some um in the event that it happens that here are some solutions Uh, i can think of a few this the a strength training regimen and how a strong strength training regimen with a strong uh physical therapy a strong recovery program it seems to me that now they're being sensitive to families who this is the route that they're going to take And because they're taking this route, they're more taking on a role of supportive, right? Rather than offering an article that doesn't have any solutions, that's a bit dark in terms of their dream. I think, I don't know if you recognize that in your articles, but I certainly saw that in mine.
1: Yeah, um, and I do agree that strength training um, could be utilized to to better strengthen those muscles to maybe, to fight off or, or better be able to sustain the wear and tear over the years. Um, but again, I guess it just goes back to that that old adage and when do we begin that that portion of it, right? Like that strip training. But I, I do agree with you that, that they probably could have given some solutions if they are there to maybe mitigating some of these um these injuries that they
0: that they pointed to for specialized sport athletes I just think these are people's children and they've chose this path in life and what I want to hear is that parents inherently are here to protect their child and I think that it's they could certainly use a reinforcement at times or a reminder sometimes that be sure to put your arms around your children during this tough journey right somehow create a routine for them that's fair and here are some here are
1: some help in doing that so what about this (laughs) what about just taking some time away from the sport right like i've spoke i've mentioned that numerous times to you that we can't do it every day seven days a week um five hours a day so could that be a a way to mitigate some of these lower extremity injuries that they're seeing is that let's just take some deliberate time away from the sport. Um, Maybe not train seven days a week. We'll go five. Or maybe we, I don't know, we, we, we work out in the pool where it's, it's, it's low impact stuff like that. Right. Just where I'm not on the court all the time. If, if we're going back to, to basketball,
0: I don't know, Spence. I don't, I don't <laughs> know, man. Yeah.
1: I, I knew you wasn't going to go for it cause it's too close
0: to fun. Well, I don't think it's too close to fun. I think it may derail us a bit. Um, I'm concerned about the athlete who tries out for the JV team Mm -hmm. and doesn't make it. Certainly. And that they've been at this thing for years, and they just get cut because I was a coach. I remember it's just a list. It's just a name on a list. And you run down after lunch and everybody's talking about it in the hallway and they're saying go down and check your name out. And when you get down there and your name is not on the list, it's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling. And I just am able to draw a line back to those two extra days every week that you didn't get, that you didn't expose your child to some level of development. Now, I I am smart enough to understand that you could argue that there's a few things that you can do that is not so high impact, but still has major, that still has a major effect on your development. You know, there's, there's film, there's, there's, there's spot up jump shots, right? There's a day for that. Um, there's a day for setting goals and reflecting on your goals. But I do think that real development for regular athletes is a Everyday thing, especially when the goals are as high as they seem to be for the youngsters that I come into contact with, it's difficult to argue that the children are up against a lot when we really take a real look at the competitiveness of the game and and how difficult it is to ascend to the top of the of the sport.
1: Yeah, but it seems like that we're we're taking a huge risk of not even making it to the top because of all the effort and time. But my concern is that the
0: risk was always there, right? So, so the doc certainly, I think people get hurt just in general, right? You can have an injury. Absolutely. And also back on doctors, I just look at the path that doctors had to take in order to get where they are, right? Look at all the things that they had to give up in order to get, where they are, and I was just wondering how many articles are written to say what happens if you do too much of some of the things that they did. And but but that's
1: but the, theirs is probably studying, or it's not something strenuous and physical to be a doctor, right? It's a it's a mind exercise. It ain't running the, the hundred yard dash
0: fifty million times. Again, I don't want to I don't want to be naive here, man. Okay, right? They had to stay up long nights in order to digest some of this this large level of information. There are large levels of anxiety and stress that have to be dealt with. There are high, high levels of expectations from parents, society, and and even themselves. There are more issues for people who are trying to become doctors than we're willing to admit to. This is a goal for families. And... In order to get there, we're going to have to work hard at it. So I just want to hear doctors accept that reality. Just like in their world, that they're going to have to sacrifice some things, right? That may have some emotional repercussions, that may have some developmental repercussions. But look, that's the collateral reality, so, right? I, In order to get there, I'm gonna have to go through some things. In order to get there, I'm gonna have to sacrifice some things. Yeah, and I don't
1: think we're we're gonna get to the same place here because I'm focusing more on physical, and you're just really talking about the the sacrifice. But you did have a you did have a point that I want to go back into, and in, and in that you're saying that the goal of the family is to is to reach a certain level. So we haven't really talked about that's still a possibility like i again i don't want to keep referencing articles but um i have read that a majority of d1 athletes and also pro athletes i believe in like 2017 20 of 23 draftees for the nfl that they were multiple sport athletes so while you're you're referencing getting to the top of my craft or reaching a goal by specialization it seems to be evidence to the contrary, like that multi-sport athletes tend
0: to be the ones who actually make it to those plateaus. There's two points. The first point is that as these families make the decision to ascend to the tops of their professions or Mm -hmm. genres, they're going to have to accept some risk in, in order to arrive at some of the rewards. Right, and and I don't, I'll state it again, there are risks in every path that we choose, right? And whether they're physical, whether they're mental, whether they're emotional, they all are categorized as risks. Point number two, we're talking about football players, right? You identified the NFL draft, which right. I would feel better about your statistic if you were talking about, the optimal skill sports of the world, the basketballs, the golfs, the gymnastics. So hold on, let me let me get this right. So your football is not a skill sport in your eyes? I played football in college. It's not that it's not a skill sport, it's, but it's one of those sports where you can put down and you can pick back up. Okay. Right, And a lot of it has to do with your athleticism. A lot of it has to do with your mental approach to it. A lot of it has to do with your dedication and commitment to it. A lot of it. So you are able to walk away from it. But it's not like basketball where you put it down, you come back, and you've lost something. It's not like golf where you don't expect to see Tiger Woods out playing basketball in the offseason right? where he put down his clubs for a while because he can't. There's too much precision involved for him to put those to put the sport down for a while
1: and you're aligning basketball with that with that level of nuance in terms of like golf
0: well we don't have a choice because again you have a bunch of kids who are trying to make it far in the sport and there's a lot against them and their only chance is to develop a high level of skill in a number of different facets of the game so The faster we can get them started on it, it seems like the better off uh, we are in the end. The closer we can get to the goals for those children and those families. I think we have to think about it that way. We don't have, you and I, I'm sorry, Spence, we don't have Bo Jackson caliber athletes. We don't have Deion Sanders quality athletes. At the end of the day, even those guys, they played, uh, a highly skilled sports sport in baseball and then they coupled that with a less skilled sport um football that kind of relied on their athleticism
1: yeah and again like as I kind of began I don't really have a hard position so there's really nothing for me to disagree with there and i spoke about in previous uh like i spoke about my thoughts about football and it's more aligned with you just mentioned that. It's something for the boys I thought they can come back to because they played but stepped away from it. And I, I think it's also valid to to mention like gymnastics is a sport that I probably could not multi-sport that because the amount of time, it's an innate amount of time having that they spend in the gym working on their craft because um, I, I know some, some young gymnasts and they spend up to six to eight hours a day working in the gym. Um, And so that doesn't leave much time for them to also play tennis or or something along those lines. I I do think that overall, however, that playing multiple sports probably builds a more well-rounded athlete as a whole. I don't know if they'll get to the top of their craft or how or how good they'll be, but it just seems as if they build a, a better athlete that they can run a little faster, jump a little higher, do things a little easier when they're kind of fluid in, in
0: more than one in more than one sport. Well, I respectfully disagree that it's the multiple sports that creates the better athlete. With all of the technology and all of the know how that exists today. I think you go and get on a great strength regimen. I think you go and get on a great speed regimen. I just think you can pull out some of the productive parts of the other sports and you can simulate those in so, other gymnasiums to create the athlete.
1: So you don't think that someone like uh Taco Fall, like he's 7-6, right? He's huge and he's in the NBA. However, he started out this season in the in the G League you don't think Taco could have benefited from playing soccer or playing something else. He He kind of lacks coordination at that size. And I'm sure he would have benefited from doing something else to kind of get that coordination where he's not so awkward and he's more fluid on the court as he plays. He's literally surviving off his height. But he could probably be a, an all-NBA player if he actually had more some more coordination with him. It's just, that's just I
0: wonder. Opinion. I have my reservations about assuming what Taco Fall did when he was young, (laughs) right? Because I probably believe that Taco Fall during his five, six, seven year old ages tried his hand at some of the other sports that exist as well, whether it's in a hardline travel team or recreation that you always identify I'm not going to speculate as to whether or not he did. But I do think that there's other ways to address Taco Fall's coordination. And I believe that people have tried it. I'm telling you that if we can identify the weaknesses that Taco Fall has, I'm just telling you that in this day and age, we can attack them from early in his life and he would feel a little bit different. So I think a lot of what he is, because of his height, Mm-hmm. Has a lot to do with his physical makeup, right? So there's some limitations there. So it was—it's not the multiple sports. I—I I think about J.J. Watt, who is the subject of the article, and he's a six-foot-six-inch football player who. I don't think he's a six-foot-six-inch football player who's strong as an ox because. He played multiple sports. I don't think that. I just know that because the article says that he's an advocate for multiple sports. So I'm assuming that he must have played them, and I just hope that he's not trying to sell us that he's this great athlete because he played multiple sports. I think that he was going to be a great athlete. Um, That's
1: not true. We've seen guys who who are really good in one sport but terrible in the other. Like, uh, think about the guys who who throw out the first pitch, um, and they look super awkward. They can't they can't get it to the mound and that's that's indicative of probably some specialization like that's what just, that they've
0: never thrown a ball I don't, no, I don't understand it's just like
1: that i can't do anything other than my primary sport i,
0: I would gather that. S- so who who has difficulty throwing the ball over the bases is, is what i want to know
1: carl lewis nine-time olympian elite athlete champion sprinter he went out there and couldn't throw out the first pitch, right? If I can't help but think if Carl had just played a little something else versus working on his sprints, that that wouldn't have
0: looked like that. At what expense? I saw the Carl Lewis throw as well, and the, the second one went a lot better than the first one. He still lacked coordination. But it throws the idea back up. If Carl Lewis would have spent some time doing something else, then what would have been the repercussions. I think that's worth deliberating about, right? Now, all of a sudden, he's just a little bit slower. And just a little bit slower or just a little bit more, excuse me, a little less effective, now it changes the course of history. He's a a six-time or two-time goalie. That's all that I'm offering. I think all little boys and girls, we need every chance we can get in order to reach the, the heights that we have in store in mind for them.
1: So then, let me ask you this: in regards to burnout, I, I often read uh, and I've heard stories about athletes who who, who work so hard at the craft, but they just ended out ended up falling out of love with the sport and just kind of getting tired of it before they they reach their peak. So, what are your thoughts there? That specializing may speed up that process, or bring those thoughts about?
0: My advice to parents, uh, having raised a few athletes, and I'm no expert, I have three daughters who- Now you say it, 13 episodes deep. Sorry, go ahead. No, I think everybody's experience in rearing their children, I think it's personal. But I do know that we all share this commonality is to watch out for your children, right? Take care of them. Um, There's signs for burnout. And I think that we need to be in tune with our own children. So then what do you do when those signs kind of appear? I think that if we understand that there's a potential for them, then I think that we can plan for them. I I don't think that, the moment can't be planned for or prevented, right? With the control of expectations, the the balance of the life, the care and concern for the child. I think all of those things have to be present uh, along this journey. Yeah,
1: b- yeah, because if I'm honest, that seems to be, you mentioned the expectations. That seems to be one of the, one of the, the leading causes for that burnout is just maybe not reaching the expectations or knowing that a parent dedicate significant time and, and resources towards uh, achieving a goal. And maybe they're just not hitting that mark, or it just feels like the weight of the world's on their shoulders. So they tend to come to, to kind of shy away from the sport or kind of walk in a different direction.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I, I don't yeah. want to be the guy that, doesn't state that there's a fine line between reaching high places and being sensitive to the needs of children. I think that's that's a line that we as parents face every day in many of the issues that we face with our children. I do think that there needs to be expectations, right, for children. I don't think they're going to break as as, they're not as fragile as we sometimes reference them. I think if we give them uh, expectations, we give them rigor, right? I think that they're going to stand to benefit from it. So I do think that if they understand that, I, I, I remember using a timer early on with, with the boys where they would understand that this is work time and it's a 60 minute clock and, and you can ask Jalen about it. I'm going to spin it and I'm going to start it. And it was one of the old school ones We go tick, 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 tick all for the whole time what they begin to understand is that during this time I ought to be working and that work has standards and it's a hard work and it's a focused work. And while that's difficult for them to adjust to at first over time, they begin to understand that when that clock is on, I've got to give 110% that dad and mom have some expectations of me. And those expectations are that I'm giving everything that I have. And I think that part of the conversation can extend to many of the sports uh, endeavors that they take on. But more importantly, that I think it puts them in the same class of the great achievers of the world when it's time to work. They have to dial in and focus and get the work done. On the flip side of it, I think that somehow we need to figure out how to balance their lives when the clock is off. With some play and having some deliberate fun. Oh, I'm an advocate for when it's not work time, that it be play time. Right. And and that play time is is not defined by me, but defined by the particular family, right? Some families go on vacation, like somebody I know, right? (laughs) I'm an advocate for those kind of things, but long as they don't get in the way of the work. I think that the children benefit from knowing that the clock goes on and the clock goes off. But every single day of their waking life, there's gonna be a moment where the clock turns on. Right, and they're gonna be expected to perform. And it's the balance, Spence, and you can chime in, it's the balance that creates the experience. And, and I'm, that I'm with them, I'm, that when they go down, I'm with them.
1: I'm in I'm in agreement, that's all I've ever tried to convey to you, and especially as we kinda of talked in the earlier episodes, I'm just looking for balance, because
0: I'm trying to avoid b- burnout, right? That's, no, no I don't, that's not true, right? You haven't stated it so simply. Right, because you're the guy who says that it's okay to miss some of the clock time. No, right? I. That's my concern. No, we. I I
1: just don't perform the clock time under your watchful eye, and I think that concerns you at times. So. Well, I, I don't I know that, because think you're think
0: that, gonna miss some team things
1: too. I, I think that the clock is on. I'm not. If you if you were to ask the boys, that the clock feels like it's on all the time for them. It's just not always in your gym,
0: but... Well, you know the and, clock can be on all the time. record, well, I'm, the I'm
1: saying, like, well, you get it. It's, yes, the buzzer the goes off, of the bell rings. Yeah, the, the bell speech, rings, but, man,
0: and when it rings, it's over.
1: But but certainly, like, they know that we're consistently working, and it's just that I may combine the two, Um, and so, what you believe us taking a vacation doesn't really truly feel like a vacation to them at times, because... There's always going to be a, a a point in time where we we pick up a ball and, and do some things
0: I just think burnout yeah you your question was about burnout Certainly. and I think the real burnout man is is do the kids trust mom and dad right because there's gonna be times that things get rigorous and it's gonna get hard right and I think that
1: I think but sometimes it happens in college as well like it's not only at 12 13 14 it can happen. Once
0: they've kind of even attained some success. Yeah, but I think think 12 and 13, it plants the seed for them to be able to to endure it when they get to college, right? That there are some mechanisms. There are some conversations. There are some people to talk to. I just think it's trust.
1: Will you at least agree that maybe playing multiple sports limits the possibility of burnout?
0: I'm going to offer this. Remember what I said about the kid who tried out for JV? Yes. And when they came and told me they didn't make it, their eyes were welled up. hmm Right? My concern is that what do we say to him? What do we say? That, look, oh, this is just a moment. Don't worry, son. You're going to be fine. I'm telling you that I believe we could have prevented it. The kid was 6'5". There's no reason why he should be cut from JV. There are some obvious things that are missing that I think that we could have touched on. That's all I'm saying. Taco Fall, a second sport was probably missing. I don't think it was a second sport. I think that there was a commitment level. I think there was no clock, right? There was no clock, so he lived his early part of his life without the ticking clock. That's all I'm. That's all I'm offering. So that's fine,
1: but I kind of I do want a direct answer to. to the question posed right do you think that if i play multiple sports it could help and alleviate some of that and maybe negate the burnout
0: from athletes no i think that if you're going to address burnout then you're going to address the issues of balance and the issues of trust right if you solve those two then I don't think you'll face the issue of burnout. That's my answer. Okay. In preparation for this podcast, I pulled up an article from Health News. Um, The title is, children should play more than one sport, pediatricians recommend. It was written by David Mills back in September of 2016. They brought up a number of things. I wanna kinda go back and forth with you a bit on these four things, the bits of advice that they had, and let's kind of get a sense of of what are our thoughts or what would be our advice to the listeners. The first thing they said was they advised that sports specialization should be delayed until the child is at least 15 years old. Agree or disagree? I disagree.
1: I I think that you've got, if you're going to be, by that time, you have colleges looking at them, right? Um, especially in, in the sport of basketball, and so that's that's eybl time. That's um, ninth grade, um, heading to sophomore year. I believe that, especially in this day and age, there's just too much skill, too much talent within this in, within this environment to to start working full time and honing your craft at fifteen
0: but Spence these are the same American Academy of Pediatrics doctors who are making these recommendations so how again how do we know what to align ourselves with is it okay that we pick and choose what they say so again remember i said
1: there's benefits to multi sports i think there's benefits to specialization i i just it's too late that's too late to to start specializing. If if I'm gonna do it at all, if I'm gonna do it at all, I gotta do it, I gotta do it sooner. Even at the risk of the injuries? If I'm gonna do it,
0: I've gotta do it sooner. This is tough for me to hear you because you absolutely disagree with the American Academy of Pediatrics here. Okay. okay. But when they start to tell me about the injuries and the spirit of the injuries, because the statistics don't do it by themselves, it's the spirit. The spirit suggests that you guys, I know that you have big dreams about basketball, but allow for these potential injuries that you don't even know are going to happen to you to pull you away from the sport for a couple of months out of the year. And as a result, you're going to have a better chance to get to your goals.
1: So, what's your question or
0: My question is how do you how do you pick which parts of their recommendations that you align yourself with and is there this sense of confirmation bias? Well, do you I'm, capture the parts that empower you that you mean to tell me that the doctor said i get to take three months off a year that's directly in line with what you believe is okay now, so I this doctor must be take on point that's my question to you that's a, that's a
1: huge how do you
0: know which it's parts of their advice that you align yourself with because you got to go with some
1: of your personal beliefs and i i don't want you I'm, I was simply providing data when we were speaking about the injury. So that isn't necessarily saying that's what my thoughts are or that I'm, I'm concerned with the boys because for the most part, they begin the specialization process. That's not something I overly think about as we continue down this path, right? So I was simply providing data just so I can inform the listeners to both ends of the pendulum, both sides of the argument, right? So, um, and if I led you that way, then that was... That was my fault. But I don't, in terms for myself, I go with what feels best, what feels right for for my child, my athletes, right? Uh, And so I don't necessarily pick and choose. I gather as much data from both sides of the arguments, and then I make an informed decision what I feel would be the
0: best benefit to the child. That's fair. So let me ask this next part because it's just another recommendation of theirs. And I'll I'll empower the listeners by telling them that prior to going on, you took a position here, all right? They're saying take three months off per year. That's not. What's your position? Not at all. You can't do that. Yeah.
1: And now early on, I would certainly do that, but we were taking time out to do another sport. But at this juncture – especially with the with, with the sport of basketball, right? And I guess I would say it depends on what sports you play, but with basketball in particular, and I, I think with most sports, it's difficult now. Again, the, the level of athlete, the level of skill, the level of talent is just too high in this day and age to take that amount of time off. You've, you've got to do something to, to better yourself.
0: And in all fairness, they're not recommending that the three months be together consecutive yeah consecutive what they're offering is that they take some time off in one month increments
1: and is this time off from competing training um in what aspect do they consider quote-unquote time off
0: uh they didn't dive in i have quote-unquote young athletes should take three months off a year in one month increments from their main sports
1: yeah we may get it by taking one week off i don't think we'll ever get to three months that's that's 12 weeks that's 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 a lot
0: last one one to two days off per week what's your position on that i do agree that um and typically we
1: we celebrate the sabbath they they don't tend to work on the sunday so that's probably the one day that they get off and but even then we still there's still some form shooting being done but i do agree with that there's No strenuous. uh, You got to give them a break in some form or fashion. And so I I wholeheartedly agree with that. That's fair. And for you, uh, I guess I would like to pose the same questions back to to you as the as the trainer. I kind of spoke as a parent and you've been on both sides today. Right. But um, as a trainer, your thoughts about work taking off one to two days a week. Because I already know the answer to the three months. That's that's out of the question. Well,
0: that wasn't the first one. The first one was delaying specialization until was, 15 years old. I was going my own order. I was going backwards. That's fair. I believe that 15 is too late. And you surprised me when you said it as well. Because for all the reasons that you said, I believe it. Okay. That it's just late. It's it's too late. Um, to really hone in, unless unless you're one of the top athletes, you were trying to trap me with
1: your question. You anticipated a different answer from me. Before I began this journey, I would probably you were probably correct. But as I've been in it, I've noticed that some of the the kids who have success early, they started extremely early, like three and four years old, doing some form of whether it be close your ears, playing some, some basketball in a league at a young age while lacking the skill, um, just starting to play earlier, that they they see some earlier success. And so, no, you, you, you've got to start at a, at a young age.
0: The second one was taking three months off per year. Okay. So what are your thoughts there?
1: It can't happen. No way! No, not in
0: one month increments. Not in
1: what about one month, Alf? Uh, uh, what about one
0: month for the year, Spence? You don't understand, man. Not even one week. No, no, I'm not gonna do that. I think that a week works, but not at the expense of working. Right? That. I thought you said it. It was fair to me, right? It's me giving you the benefit of the doubt. If you go on vacation with your family and you have a child who, who was in the journey, then I think you have to find a way to. Yeah, to keep Walmart them going. has balls that are $4.88. Yeah, you, you can just going, go grab some, some of those. Some way. And, and I remember that. I, I remember, I'll be honest, I remember his first basketball national. I remember packing his football shoulder pads and his helmet. Right? Just to be able, my oldest son, just to be able to get some catch reps, right? While we were down at a basketball tournament, right? This was early on. So I do remember those um, So you had some of the extremes. same level.
1: So you did some of the same level of training
0: with football that you
1: did with basketball with, with, with Jalen and, and Brendan.
0: Yes, remember. I just think it's multi sport. Well, I think that you have to create a positive athletic experience early on. Multi-sport. I think if you do, then they'll love sports forever, right? And, and and I believe that it's at that moment that you can tap into all the benefits that sports brings. I don't think that being on the football team and not playing is the best approach to, <laughs> to early child development, Same. right? To early child rearing, right? And the last one was one to two days off. I don't believe that those things exist. I do think that there's a recovery reality, Right, but I think some of those realities ought to include film work. They ought to include uh, strength training. They ought to include, uh, and you would mark those as
1: off days or like down days.
0: They're down days. They're down days. And when do they happen? They usually happen after the toughest of regimen, sure. right? And I remember I develop young athletes, and I and I can think of a few in particular where look the early part of their lives have been tremendously busy developing. And I think as we come up upon their lives now, you can begin to see where things can slow down for them a little bit because we were in such a rush to put some tools in the box. And then you can start to see those tools pay off. You start to see evidence of those tools. And then you start to have a discussion of changing the schedule a bit. But this is a rush to get these skills in, and once they're in, then I think that the conversation changes a bit, right? Because my son is noticeably different in training, sons, excuse me, than they were early on when we were rushing to get everything in. Where now we're 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 literally focused on some weaknesses, or we have a very real agenda in the limited amount of time or limited scope of of. Things or skills that we're working on, so it's a lot more efficient. It's a lot more clear-minded what that workout is. Whereas when they were young, right, we have to get it right. There's a there's a, a certain urgency we have to attack this thing with. And when they when they start to get older, things clear up a lot. We know who they are. We know we know what their limits are, their boundaries, right? Those are things that you have to develop a level of respect for because they're young adults, right? So I think the training changes so we have to get to these kids before sooner or later they start to look at us and say i don't want to do that right we as an adult child certainly can
1: right okay so in closing for me again i i don't i see as i mentioned throughout the throughout this episode i see benefits to to doing multi-sport as well as specialization i do think at some juncture you've gotta you've gotta do the specialization thing Um, If you want to get to a certain level within, within your sport. But overall, I don't think you can go wrong with, with some multi-sport just because it, it seems to build a better athlete as a whole.
0: In closing, I'm just reminded that we all are parents and we have the tough job of rearing our children. And I think sports can be a real assistant for us, kind of an assistant coach for us uh, in terms of helping our children to arrive uh, at adulthood and intact and, and with tools. I think about the risks and the rewards of playing multiple sports. And I think it's a fair ratio. I think that the faster our children become one with, The more you want to accomplish in this life, the more effort you're going to have to put forward. What comes along with that hard work at times is risk. There's a part of me that really believes that goals are achievable for young people. I just want to see them reach their goals. And I am very much in tune with the fact that there's a long list of things that must be learned in many of the different fields that we choose or many of the different goals that we take on. I just think that the faster we get started to learning this long list, I just think that they'll be better off. Lastly, I just want parents to take care of our children. And I think that part of that taking care of them is not to shield them from risk and not to prevent them from going after something Because some risk exists. I think it's okay for us parents to create expectations and that those expectations be high for our children. On the flip side, I just want parents to establish some balance in the lives of children and some trust. And I think if we do, I think that we can push our children to great heights in their young lives. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for tuning in. Also, be sure to like us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Leave a comment and let us continue to evolve this podcast so we can meet the exact needs of trainees, families, coaches, and trainers. You've been listening to the Rhythm Dribble Basketball Development Podcast. We look forward to talking to you guys next episode.